Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone, and welcome to the 22nd episode of Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who are shaping the aesthetics of music. I am Enrico, and I have an announcement for you today. For the first time in six months, I won't be leading the conversation just by myself, but I will be doing it along with a wonderful co-host who's joining us for this episode only, and you will find out soon why. My co-host is Eva Tkautz, a former classmate and a very good friend of mine with whom I share a passion for design, visual arts and culture. Eva is a product designer and creative developer who combines design with coding. In the past few years, she has worked on several groundbreaking projects with her company, IBM, projects like Cards for Humanity, an online tool to help designers overcome unconscious bias, which got a special feature on It's Nice That. Eva is a photographer as well under the alias Eva Duboco, exploring womanhood and playfulness. Eva is here because uh, last weekend we had dinner together and I told her that an artist from uh, her uh, Ljubljana would have been my next guest on Synesthesia. So she actually guessed her name. She's a big fan of their work and now here we are. Ciao Eva, it's so nice to have you here. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great, thanks. I've been grooving to some really good music today. Gilligan Moss, a duo from Chicago. Also, yeah, just generally, the foot, I mean, the hat's face this episode for some very special reason. I think it's about time to introduce your fellow countrymen as we've been talking for over a minute without giving out their name yet. Well, our guest is Nate Sprach, a graphic designer, and he's worked with some really awesome artists like Frank Ocean, Gillian Moss, and he has collaborated with Baller Room as well. So lots of interesting musical clients, and also he spent a few years working for Bloomberg Business Week in New York, and then in 2019, he moved back to Slovenia where he's from, and he opened a studio in its capital, Ljubljana. So now let's hear more about Nate's cultural influences, his work with music artists, and the things that inspire him. Hi Nate, welcome to Synesthesia. How are you today? And are you dialing it from Ljubljana or elsewhere? Hi, yes, I am dialing from Ljubljana, from my studio here in Vizhigod. Uh, and I am uh, very well. Um, this is a very slow week for me, which is always good. So I'm happy to chat for a little bit. Nice. We also noticed your latest Instagram post. It looks a little bit cryptic. So it features a chair with a word soon. So we were just wondering, oh, Enrique, yeah. what was that about? Oh, yeah, that's funny. I was thinking, <laughs> what was my latest Instagram post? But, uh, yeah, it's actually a chair and uh, it's finished now. I actually picked it up from the carpenter last night and it's in uh, my apartment now. I'm just trying to make more furniture or like objects, like three-dimensional. Right. I think this is the fourth one now. 
yeah. Wow. But yeah, that's awesome. So you're involved in just, you work across disciplines, furniture, design. But if we just zoom on to your background and basically want to give everyone tuning in a good overview of your professional path. So if we just start right from the beginning, what's been your career trajectory so far and how did you end up landing so many design gigs with musicians specifically? Yeah, well, I mean, just like, you know, the, the basics are, I did my undergrad in Ljubljana in graphic design. And then right after I went to uh, Yale, I went to um, do a master's there in their uh, graphic design program. So I was there for two years, graduated in 2015, and then moved to New York. And then I was there until kind of recently. I've spent most of my time working at uh, Bloomberg Business Week there as a, like one of the art directors, just uh, designing uh, articles, illustrations, commissioning a lot of stuff, doing covers sometimes, classic uh, editorial work. I always knew, you know, that's just uh, not gonna um, last. I mean, I like the job a lot, but uh, I always wanted to have my own thing. And I always knew that I'm probably not gonna stay in New York forever. I got a bigger project in Ljubljana and my visa was kind of running out and it all kind of collapsed into this idea that it's I guess it's time to move back home which is what I did like a year ago now I'm here finally doing my stuff um, started my own studio in terms of uh, landing the gigs with musicians I think it's uh, I don't know I think if your work is more visual and maybe more expressive then it, I think it's kind of natural that you get close to the world of music or fashion because I think those fields are always kind of looking for design that isn't just systematic or logical or but also has like a lot of visual qualities and I guess my work is close to that so nice what was your first project with a I know I thought about doing a lot of stuff for musicians, but I never really did. So it might have been the stuff I was working on uh, for Frank Ocean might have been one of the first ones. I'm sure there was something before that, but a lot of it came after like in the last two years, I think. Cool. So because yeah, we touched upon this now, because this is also actually one of our questions, which is what was the turning point in your career so far, especially when it comes to working with musicians? Yeah, I don't know if there was a, like a real turning point. You know, I don't think there was a moment where everything changed. In terms of like uh, moments in my career that were more defining, I would definitely say that uh, grad school was something that not, op not, not only helped me get a lot of work, but also helped me develop my way of working and the way I approach projects and the way I approach them visually, especially. Nice, because yeah, I was actually wondering um, um, what would you say influenced your visual language? If we, just, we can also just go back to your roots, say this could be culture, like music, shows, film, or just anything uh, that comes to mind. Yeah, I think like in terms of influences, I think when I was younger, my main influence was probably like the graffiti scene in Ljubljana and all the stuff that I saw on the walls. I was never good at doing graffiti. I did, I did a couple, but I don't know. It was just really hard for me to use the spray cans. And I still have like some old photos of what I did, but it wasn't that great. But I did like follow the scene. You know, I was always looking for new stuff and what's going on. And I think this idea of just, you know, kind of this exercise in style where you just keep writing the same letters again and again, and you try different ver versions and you don't worry too much about legibility and you kind of follow this uh, ideas of, you know, writing a letter and adding outline and adding a glow and adding a 3D effect or something, you know, just like kind of the way most graffiti are, are done or how they were done back then. I think that was really like kind of close to me. And in a way, I still do that a lot in, in like, not graffiti, but just kind of think of in such terms. I would actually say that was probably my, my uh, biggest influence. And then I think the rest is maybe more like classic, you know, just like a, stuff that comes from design education you know modernism dash design 
Polish poster, kind of like the last breath of that Polish school of design that uh, I think was really influential in, I don't know, when it was that 70s or 80s in the Eastern Europe, or some of my professors in undergrad uh, studied somewhere in the Eastern Europe and uh, brought that back. And I kind of still see, maybe not presence, but you can see that this was, you know, influential in our region. So I'm sure that kind of played a part because it's you know it's there's in those yeah. things, like polish posters have a lot of authorship a lot of drawing custom typography it's like very expressive it's very different from maybe say modernism and i think you know vernacular design is always something that i uh, like a lot but i'm not sure how it comes through in my work but i definitely uh, appreciate that a lot like just you know mm -hmm. stuff you see when, you, when you're on your way to work and you just see random a4 uh, letterheads with you know some notes you know posted on a door or whatever i don't know there's just a lot of that that i always find funny in terms of how they structure it how the language is built in which typefaces they use it's very simple but i i finding very um i guess inspiring or something eva if you agree i think it's time to introduce the music topic mm -hmm. if you don't mind i would ask Neshke if he can tell us what kind of music was he listening to while doing graffiti in Ljubljana. High school. Oh, I, in high school, I was listening to indie rock. You know, just that was the thing that we all listened to when we were like 15, 16. I think back then it was, I don't know, like you know, Block Party, Arctic Monkeys, uh, and later Crystal Castles, Justice, stuff like that. The White Stripes. I was really into the White Stripes. How about um, now? I feel like now I'm just like kind of all over the place. I th I think I even listen to more music than I used to. It's just a little harder to. Um, to define but if i had to pick something that i'm into like right now i think the whole this whole um hyper pop scene mashup of all this genres is like very high energy high tempo i i like that a lot um you know a dorian electra or uh, 100 gex I'm, I'm really i'm really into that among other things but i knew i yeah. knew you would have been into that kind of music yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am as well, but just uh, as an observer. How about you, Eva? For sure you are into Gilligan Moss as well, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I listened to his album today to warm up. Yes, it's a, it's a really good album. I actually like listened to the whole thing. I mean, I've heard a lot of songs before, but I listened to the whole album like now couple days ago and I'm really into it. Great. Yeah, shall we just move on to those projects then? Um, if we move on and just talk about these intersections of design and music. So could you tell us more about your recent collaboration with Gillian Moss for the new album? What was the brief? We're very curious about that. Yeah, it's actually funny. This project started probably over a year ago now or like just about a year ago. And, and you know, they emailed me, they wanted to have an album cover and a couple of singles. And I, and I thought it's going to be, you know, uh, this will be done in like three weeks or something. But then it just, you know, it just kept going. And, you know, because of COVID, things move a little slower, I think. Um, but I actually, I don't remember the brief, but I do remember that I had, I had an idea. I had this proposal that I wanted to do and they were absolutely not, not into it at all. I thought it was really nice and I still have it, uh, um, you know, saved for some other time. I think they were kind of very, uh, they knew what they wanted and what I proposed, I think just was not, was not that. So then we kind of changed it and we kind of built this world that we have now kind of together, you know, through a couple of uh, proposals and a couple of uh, phone calls. Um, this combination of like found, not, not found, like older photography, hand lettering, 
And it's funny because like, a lot of the photos that we used are some like really old stuff that I have from maybe five, six, seven years ago. Uh, it's all like uh, analog photography from mostly for, from my vacation. You know, I would be in New York or in New Haven and then I would come home and we would do like these road trips around the Balkans to like, I don't know, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia. And we'd always take photos. With, it was an Olympus Mu, that uh, classic camera that was very popular a few years mm -hmm. ago. Oh. I guess it still is. Yeah. It changes the way you look at the world after you spend a few years in New York, in the States, and then you move back home. You look at things in a very different way, don't you? I think I do, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> changed it. But it was also like always such a nice contrast to kind of go from like New York, big city, and then go home for the summer and, you know, just drive around Croatia and sleep on the beach or something, which is where all those photos yeah. Uh, yeah. came oh, from. Yeah, that's a dream. Nice. Yeah, so you took the, these photographs as well, because I was observing like, the interplay between typography and photography on these album covers. It's really, yeah, it's really dynamic, really exciting. And I was just wondering, what did you do to get that feel? Yeah, well, I think I took most of the photos. I think the one that's on the album cover, they shot that in New York or somewhere upstate. Uh, I took the photos of the, for the singles. The one with the chicken and the one with the car, those are my... How did you match these pictures with your lettering? The feeling is uh, very expressive, as Eva said, but also very crafty, handmade, do-it-yourself. Are they handwritten? Yeah, it's like a combination of, you know, those Japanese uh, Posca markers. It's like a brand of markers. I use that and some acrylic paint and some coloring pencils. And then I just mixed them all up. It was actually quite simple, you know, I just, just sit down and I kind of sketch how the, where the empty space is on the photo. And then I would just uh, freestyle, you know, maybe do one quick sketch and then just go for the real thing. And it's one of those things that you just, you can't spend too much time on it. You know, you just have to work fast. And uh, so like once I sat down and started working, it didn't take super long especially for the first one we did quite a lot of sketches and one like once the first one was kind of set it was a little easier to to do the, the other ones but uh yeah it's just one of those things that it's not like super i mean for me you know it's not like very complicated it's just you have to sit down and get into the zone and then just just do it then you also work with boiler room on systems start which was their 10-day online festival and just compared to this artwork for gideon moss the system start brand has a different feel and how would you describe it? Yeah, it's. I think it's very different. I mean, even in terms of just like uh, like the basic feeling, one is like you know analog photography and handmade uh, typography, and the other one is uh, I wanted it to be you know kind of dark, but not like dark as in like negative, just darker, shinier, um, more digital, maybe closer to electronic music. Like with System Restart, I just wanted something that's like really, really visually intense. Like if you look at the main flyer. That was the main thing for that, the main lineup with all the events and all the artists. That was like something where I just wanted to cram everything there. You know, all the material they gave me, all the text they gave me, all the lettering, everything I did was just like condensed into that like one small digital image that was eventually, you know, a flyer on, on Instagram. I had this idea of just making something that's like, like too much, you know. Yes, the visual feeling is like a pack club before COVID, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. With like a lot of this uh, things that are like only digital, you know, I, I feel like I can just go crazier, you know. If this was something that would be printed, I think I would look at it in a more careful way, you know, 
because then you have all these elements how is this going to print how is that going to print it just gets really complicated you know because it's digital i think it's like missing it, it, i'm missing that physical part of it which is you know how you're going to print it what's the material going to be and then i just compensate with just like more visual and more visual and uh, that's kind of how i approached uh, system restart because the main logo system restart has all the this different uh, types of letters and mm-hmm. then there were like four stages and each of the stages is like one of those styles kind of you know in a, in a roughly said and i wanted all those four to be like really different you know if you look at the lettering for was it the yeah. club quarantine rhythm section they're mm-hmm. like very different you know one is like has these tubes that are like growing from the back of the letters to create the counter space and the rhythm section has this spikes kind of go, going all over but then i kind of rendered it i mean rendered as in airbrushed it in a similar style so they all kind of feel they're part of the same uh, family yes i was about to ask what's your favorite lettering in that flyer i don't know i i really like the idea of the club quarantine with those counter spaces growing at least that's how i imagined it i also like the collective tv because it was kind of a mtv logo knockoff Yeah, cool. Because I actually have a little anecdote that I was listening to the other day while in quarantine uh, to a mix by Bradley Zero and Moxie. Then I saw this Simpson Start logo in, in the corner and then I actually thought, is this your work? And I realized. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's <laughs> always good nice. to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But how about if we move on to Frank Ocean? I'm sure lots of people are curious about that one as well. Could you tell us more about what you've created and how was it to work with him? There was a, a series of uh, parties in New York called PrEP uh, after this uh, HIV uh, prevention uh, medicine pill. We just started working on like one flyer. It grew from that into a series of uh, posters and some merchandise and some like music releases as well, like some digital stuff and also a little bit of I think it was three three things came out on vinyl as well. The main thing for that series was uh, the lettering that we kind of built together, which is like has this uh, bubble letters, kind of bubblegum feel to them, I guess. Just like uh, kind of electrified uh, outlines that kind of grow out of them. They have like this contrast of like mm-hmm. soft and uh, uh, spiky. And I think it's a little bit of a nod to like the early 2000s aesthetics, not super intentionally, but that it just kind of how it happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. No, it's an interesting balance between sometimes needing to be functional, but then also allowing some space for expression. And then how do you strike that balance? It's a challenge. I think that when you work for music, a lot of times you're not supposed to be very functional or systematic, but you're there to kind of communicate um, how the music feels, you know, just translate it into a cover or like single uh, artwork. So I think in that sense, um, uh, the way I work, kind of works with with a lot of musicians with a lot of projects i always try to think about try to find a, some sort of a you know a challenge uh, for myself how to find something in that project that's just uh, for me so that's always like a, a big part of the of my process it's just kind of trying to make it interesting for myself because i think in when you make it interesting for yourself then and you can also kind of uh, invest yourself in a, into the project in like a more uh, meaningful way. Cool, we also were wondering about your move to Europe, Slovenia. So you've moved from New York back to Ljubljana and opened a studio there. So Enrique and I were just chatting about it the other day and we were wondering how can you make it as a creative based outside of a major city like New York or London? Every city, every or like region has its own scene, you know, so I think you can do 
relatively well, probably anywhere where there's some some need for for design. So uh, I don't know. There's a lot of people in Ljubljana doing like really good work that are like mostly doing stuff in the local scene. But I think that yeah, you know, I I have a lot of uh, clients from abroad, and I think that's just the question of how well you either promote yourself or what kind of connections you have. You know, where did you live? Where did you? Who did you go to school with? Um, stuff like that. You know, I think um, grad school helped a lot in that sense. Like I've mentioned before, just in terms of I've met a lot of people who are now working somewhere and they potentially you know need someone and sometimes they call me, uh, which happens uh, quite often. How about the lack of uh, diversity and uh, cultural offer that's not as big as the one you can get in New York, London, or Tokyo? How can you fill that gap? Yeah, I don't know. I think if you're in Slovenia, you can just you can travel. You know, obviously not right now, but um, everything's very close. You know, not if nothing else. You know, Venice is two and a half hours from Ljubljana, and you have the biennial there every year. It's either the art or the architecture one. So I think you're still not like super far away from everything. But it is true that when I was in New York, you know, I would go to a museum or a gallery almost every weekend. Uh, so that changes, but uh, I think yeah. maybe that's something that's more important in the really formative years. You know, it's not like I'm going to start, stop making good design because I haven't been in a gallery for a while, but uh, it's definitely something that I miss the most maybe since yeah. I left New York. Instant access to like really good culture, not yeah. a center of the world. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it also feels like you have such different diversity in Ljubljana and Slovenia. Maybe you have so many things in one spot, say in London, but then also in Ljubljana, if you live in Slovenia, because it's so small and so close to different countries. In a different yeah, way. but I also, yeah, I also think that in New York, you know, I, I was a, a foreigner. I mean, I never felt like a foreigner, but, you know, it was not like, wasn't really, you know, my culture. It's not where I grew up. I had the benefits of the, you know, the whole the big city life with the galleries and everything. But in Ljubljana, I have, you know, a lot of other things. I understand the, there's this whole uh, pool of, of cultural knowledge that you kind of fill up as you grow up. You know, that's the TV series, uh, advertisements, dialects, and all this stuff that I'm very familiar with. Like it's all the Slovenian stuff that I've always known. Couldn't really use it in the States, you know, because no one would get it. But then when I come back, um, there's all these things that are actually like really helpful when, you, when you're trying to come up with something interesting, you know, just understanding the culture much, much more in detail and having a lot of references and and a lot of like shared knowledge with everyone else that lives here. And I think in New York, that was just something that uh, I couldn't use it. You know, it was uh, useless in, in a way. I don't know, in a way, I think I can make projects that are maybe more meaningful uh, for me or for people who live here, less so for, um, you know, out, uh, people who are not uh, in Slovenia um, mm -hmm. or never lived here. But I think that's an important distinction. It is uh, so true that the projects that you can work on as an immigrant in terms of a culture can never reflect your personality as much as the projects that you can work on in your hometown. Because there is that cultural gap that's impossible to fill if you haven't grown up in a specific place. Very, very, very good insight. Eva, we have our last five minutes. Yes. I think it's about time to introduce our columns. The first one is Word on the Street. Word on the Street. So, is there a musician you would like to collaborate with at the moment? And who would that be? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I've, I've never really thought about it um, in that sense. There's a lot of people I respect and I think make really good work, but I'm not sure if I would 
I have like this strong desire to to work with them. Or like a lot of times I'll, I'll listen to something and I'll be really into it. But I like, for example, I've listened to a lot of uh, Kelly Lee Owens in the past few weeks, but I don't really see how we could maybe connect uh, visually because her music kind of feels different from what I do. I'm sure we could oh my God. pull it I off. I listen but, to her. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, I, listen I like to her, her a lot. lot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, and any visual artists that you write? Uh, the one thing I thought was interesting is uh, I recently saw that there's a new furniture uh, made by the Memphis Collective. You know, after 40 years, they made some some new stuff based on, I think, some older sketches and some newer ideas. So that's the first thing that came to mind as something interesting. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, visual artists that I'm into. It's just product of the intense uh, image consuming that I always forget all the names and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I want to shift to private collection, really. I want to know if you could tell us about a record sleeve or a music video that has left a mark on you. Private collection. In terms of record sleeves, it's probably something from Nirvana. I was really into Nirvana when I was 10, 11 or 12. So I was, of course, also into their albums. Maybe in utero. I think that's the first one that I bought. Yeah, I remember it? like I, I had it and I kept looking at it. And I, like it was, I didn't get it. You know, what what is what's I don't know. I mean, it, it's not that it's really complicated. I just was very young. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look uh, you at all. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I agree. So what's so special about that record sleeve? What do you like about it? I wouldn't say I really like it. It's just something that I remember being really fascinated by when I was like really young. You know. I'm not calling it out as like, oh, this is my favorite or this is like something that defined me. Because I also, I don't think that there was any record or like um, record artwork that was like really so influential to me. But that's just the one that I know that I bought and I was just like in, into it as a kid, uh, <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> nice, sweet. And if we think about flavors, this is now the next column flavors what's your favorite instagram page at the moment yeah i don't know i'm i'm it's actually really annoyed by instagram and the fact that i spend uh, time on it every day <laughs> I, tr I try not to but, it, but i don't know i just you know i just find it more and more annoying uh, every day <laughs> so well, i would why actually are you going to look for a new stuff for fresh stuff obviously I, I you know i still use instagram but i also i like books a lot I'm always checking, you know, publishers, uh, if there's anything new that's coming out. Um, and I mostly buy books for the design, really. I know it sounds kind of nerdy, but I'm just always interested in how people, you know, um, deal not, with printing uh, and papers and stuff. It's not nerdy at all. Actually, I think that we can find a compromise here. And maybe since you mentioned the publishing houses, uh, publishers, uh, you can mention uh, an Instagram page of a publisher you like and you want to support. Um, I really like uh, Rolo Press. I just saw they have some new books that I'm really into, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're on Instagram. That's the thing. Uh, they're from Switzerland, mm -hmm. and they've published some really nice books in the past, and they uh, still publish a lot of good books. Just the way they design them and print them is just nice. Like nothing too excessive and nothing too crazy, but just um, I don't know. It's you know it's hard to describe books without looking at them. I think. Yeah. Um, is it design or typography maybe? Um, yeah, all of it, you know, it's just, uh, it's simple, you know, it's simple in a very smart way. Cool. Going from publishers to um, local spots and venues, 
Could you just if we if we take us to Ljubljana, give us um, a local spot or venue suggestions? What are the places people should check out when they're in Ljubljana? I would just say go to Sankarodom, which is okay. kind of a you know not the most exciting institution, but it's in I think the most beautiful building in Ljubljana. The whole complex is just I, I find it really uh, fascinating in terms of architecture. Um, they also have events there. Um, there are some good events too, but just go there, check it out. I think it's really beautiful. For our listeners, what is that place? If you could just describe it for everyone. Oh yeah, uh, Tsankaradom is like a large uh, cultural and congress center in, in Ljubljana. Uh, they have a lot of uh, classical music, a lot of concerts, uh, theater, um, smaller jazz concerts, stuff like that. They have like a couple of different venues, but it, it's inside this uh, complex um, that was built, I think, in the early 80s by Edward Raunica. And it's, uh, I think, a really fascinating piece of uh, architecture. So also we need to... That's, that's just the first one I thought of. And it's a great one. And we need to remind our listeners that they will uh, see your tips on our Instagram page, synesthesia underscore podcast. Go check it out. We will share also Nate's uh, mood board. And uh, I think we are done for the day. Eva, are you right. Yes. Yeah, I want to say that would be it. Thanks so much for sharing your inspiration, your work. And yeah, it was just really nice chatting to you. So thanks for today. Yeah, thank you. It was it was a pleasure. Hopefully, you guys are gonna take me around Ljubljana at some point uh, in summer 2022 if we are allowed to travel again ever. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, um, I will definitely will take you somewhere when you come. <laughs> Thanks a lot once right. again. Yeah, thank and you guys. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at Synesthesia underscore podcast.